about um, the gods of this world, fallen angels. And uh, this week, I'm going to continue the lesson. I'll probably have a third lesson. And uh, I just, uh, I'm really excited about tonight. Um, and so, in, in the Old Testament, the Lord Jehovah was constantly dealing with the people turning to other gods. All through the Old Testament, uh, Jeho- God, Jehovah, was constantly upset with them turning to other gods. Now, I'm going to talk to you about some of the gods that were back there, um, and I'm going to pronounce it the best of my ability, and then I will spell it. You can think about it, and uh, if it's pronounced differently, that's fine. Kostroff, uh, Kostroff, uh, A S. H-T-O-R-E-T-H. That was a god, praise God. And that was the goddess to the Canaanites. And he was connected with fertility and, uh, um, and fertility. He, he was worshipped, uh, which Ashkoth was strong at Sidon. Uh, she was sometimes called um, the assortive compassion or a companion to Baal. She was a companion to Baal. Uh, King Solomon was influenced by his wives to follow her. Now, what I want you to realize today is, praise God, there were a lot of idols in the Old Testament. We're going to talk about some of these idols here tonight. Praise God. And uh, so um, back then they were called idols. Today they're called iPhones. But uh, they were idols, praise God, back then. Amen. And uh, these people had idols. And although the idols sat on the shelf, um, there was a spirit that was behind that idol. And that's what I want you to help you understand today. There was a spirit that was behind that idol. Praise God. There was the idol called Baal. Baal sometimes was called Bel, uh, B-E-L. And uh, he was the supreme god of the Canaanites. He worshipped I just shut my, I just shut my, I just, I shut my, I shut my idol off. Praise God. I don't know how I did that. I shut it off. Praise God. Amen. And so, uh, but Baal, Baal, he was a sun god and uh, he was also a god of storms and he was a fertility god. And uh, he helped bear the cross and women to bear kids or, you know, to bring crops on and, 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 and bring kids. Two of the greatest things that the Old Testament people needed was they needed food and they needed um, <clears throat> kids. Today, um, you know, people aren't really interested in kids. But back then, kids served for a double meaning. First of all, they were able to bring, take on your lintage. Second of all, the more kids you had, the more protection you had. I got 12 grandkids that hopefully will take up for me now. But the more kids or the more grandkids you had, the more family you had, the more protection you had, the more you had around you, and the more to take care of you when you got older. If you was an only child and your parents needed some kind of help, there wasn't the welfare system, there wasn't any of those kind of systems, so you needed that. So they really cried out to God for that. And the sad part about it is they cried to Baal. Um, there was a famous showdown, if you remember, with Elijah at, in the Israelites in the book of Judges. It's, there was different religions paid homage to their own variety of Baal, 
and the worship of false god. Then there was uh, Chemosh, uh, C-H-E-M-O-S-H, Chemosh. Uh, Chemosh was the natural god of the Moabites, and they worshipped him, the Amorites worshipped him, uh, rites involved the god, uh, he, he was a very cruel god, and uh, very uh, mean, uh, he required human sacrifices, uh, Solomon erected an altar uh, to him on Mount uh, Right, or just south of Mount Olives, uh, just outside of Jerusalem, 2 Kings 23.13. You know, it's amazing that Abraham, uh, the, the, the idols or the gods of those days, would require children's sacrifices. And uh, it's amazing that God would tell Abraham, I want you to take your son and your only son Isaac and sacrifice him. If Abraham really didn't know the voice of God he would have thought that that can't be God because God does not require. Matter of fact, in Genesis, the Bible says that God requires the hand of a life from someone that takes a life. And so, uh, you know, Abraham could have thought. So many of these idols, uh, and many of these idols or gods, uh, they required the life of children. And then there was Dagon, D-A-G-O-N. This god was of the Philistines. And it had a body of a fish and a human head and hands. It was the god of the water and of grain. Uh, Samson, the Hebrew judge, met his death at the temple of Dagon. And 1 Samuel 5, 1 through 5, after the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant, uh, they had put it in the temple next to Dagon. And uh, Dagon's statue was toppered over. You remember that story? Hit the floor, praise God. They set that old baby back up, and that wasn't a very easy thing. That thing was big and heavy, and uh, they had to know it was some of some kind of force that did it. And the next day they came in, it was tap- toppled over again, the head and the hands and everything was cut off. And then you remember reading the, about Egypt and the Egyptian gods, all the Egyptian gods. You don't read much about their gods in the book, uh, in, in Exodus or in the Bible, but you will find that there was about 40 false gods that they had that was mentioned. Praise God. They erected one god, which was Ur, E-R. He was the sun, uh, he was the creator of the sun god, Isis, the goddess of magic. Uh, Oris, which was the god of the afterlife, Throth, which was the god of wisdom and the moon. And uh, Hurus, the god of the sun, Oddity, he was the Hebrews, praise God. There were many, many other gods. Uh, but according to the 400 years that the Egyptians were captive in Egypt, they knew about all these gods. The ten plagues that God had put upon them uh, were directly against their ten first major gods. Now remember, there's a God in heaven. He's to be worshipped. He's to be served. Satan decides he's going to be worshipped. He's going to be served. God expels him from heaven. And now he is working through all these idols, all these gods that's sitting on the shelf. Praise God. And then, of course, you know about the golden calf. Um, That always bothered me that Aaron would make a golden calf. But the golden calf, I find out, was twice in the Bible. First of all, it was at Mount Sinai. And it was fashioned by Aaron. And the second was at the reign of King Jeroboam in 1 Kings 12, 26-30. In both of these instances, that idol 
was supposed to be our physical representation of Yahweh. So that golden calf was supposed to be some kind of idol. So these Egyptians that God had brought out of Egypt attacked every one of their idols and showed them that he was God over the frogs, he was God over the lice, he was God over all that. When they got over there, they said, okay, we'll worship Yahweh, but you have to make an idol for us. Praise God. And all of Satan, Satanity's like, yeah, that's the route we want to go. Praise God. And so Aaron made a golden calf and said, there's your Yahweh. So now you've got something to look at to worship. It must be hard to worship a God you cannot see. Praise God. A God you cannot touch. A God you, you, you can feel him when you really open up to him. I don't know about you, but there's no doubt in my mind I've felt the Holy Ghost. There's no doubt in my mind I've felt the presence of the Lord. Praise God. But to have a God that's on an idol. And although they called this God Yahweh and was going to worship him as Yahweh, God made the Ten Commandments. That was one of the Ten Commandments that he eventually made and was coming down off the mountain, which thou shalt not have any idols before me. Praise God. Because he knew that Satan was using idols as a way of taking away from the praise and the worship of Almighty God. You see, there was a God also called the God of Marduk. M-A-R-D-U-K, Marduk. You might pronounce it differently, that's fine. This God was of the Babylonians. He was associated with fertility and vegetation. Once again, these people were looking for somebody to keep them out of famine and to help them to prosper. Praise God. And so they looked at these goddesses. He had about 50 names. One of them was Balaam. And then there was Milcom. Milcom. Malcolm. M-I-L-C-O-M. Malcolm is how I pronounced it. I love my computer. I'll get on there and spell it and say, pronounce that for me. And it'll pronounce it for me. I'll say, say it again. And it'll say it again. I'm like, yeah, now I sound like I know what I'm doing. But anyways, Malcolm. But this natural God was of the Amorites and was associated with divination, with knowledge, with the occult world. Um, It was much deeper. Um, it, it, made no, uh, it made no qualms about dealing with understanding that these idols that sat in front of them was wrapped up with spirituals, spiritual things behind them. You know, here it is. You, you've got an idol. You carve it out. It would never exist if you didn't carve it. You would make it out, and then you would sit it in front of you, and then you would say, that's my God. That would have never gotten there. If you would have never carved it out, praise the Lord. But these people did this, and these people aren't dumb people. I mean, they existed. But they did it because there was a force of satanity behind it that was causing them to do that. And what I'm hoping that we will learn in some of these lessons and realize that there is a force of satanity, there's a force of evilness in this world that is behind what is happening even to today. Some of the things that are happening in this country, some of the things that are happening in this world, they are happening, and the thing of it is, I'm not going to get too hyped about it, because God knows what He's doing. Praise God. 
Amen. So my, my, my question is, why do we have a God that's so big and so powerful and so mighty? Praise God. And mankind turns to false gods. Now Psalms, David tells us in Psalms 106 and 36, he said, and they served their idols, and they were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and daughters to devils. Can you imagine sacrificing one? I would die before I would sacrifice one of my kids. But you see, they're so wrapped up. And the devil is so strong with them. Praise God. That they'll sacrifice their kids. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils. And they shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters. They sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan. And the land was populated with blood. Thus they are defiled with their own works. And they went whoring with their own inventions. They made their own gods. And they killed their kids for them. Praise God. And you have to ask yourself, why do logical people do this? Why do logical people do this? And it's simply because, amen, <clears throat> we are born into this world. Jesus told them in John 8 and 44, he said, Ye are of your father, the devil. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ye are of your father, the devil. Amen. And the lust of your fathers ye do do. And the gods of this world. Okay. He said, you are of the father of the devil, and the lust that you have, you do. Here's a God that brought Israel over across the sea. Israel watched as God took the Egyptians and drowned every one of them in that sea. That God could not take and do what Jehovah God would do. <clears throat> but whenever it came to call upon their God, they, must, they would much rather call upon an Egyptian God. That way they can live, they could drink, they could be wild. They could sleep with each other. They could do all these things that their flesh wants to do. I'm telling you, in every one of us, there is a part of us that if we live in this flesh, we could be wild. We could be wild. I told someone the other day, I said, you know... I said, there comes points and times in your lives when you have to deal with something that the only way, the only reason you won't do it is because it's wrong. Because everything else inside of you tells you to do it. You see, our flesh is so strong that if we don't crucify that flesh, and people that are born in this world have a flesh that they have to fight. And it is more, praise God, it is more 
easier for us to live in the flesh than it is to live in the Spirit. And although God brought them across amen, and put them in the wilderness and killed the Egyptians and showed that they're gods, <clears throat> although God did that, they still turned to a heathen god and wanted to worship a golden calf. They called it Yahweh, but if it was really Yahweh, why was they all sleeping with each other? Why was they all drunk? Why was it a wild party when Moses come down and said, hey, there's a, ro- there's a, a, royal, a roar going on down there. there it sounds like a, 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 a war going on. And he's like, it ain't a war. It's the people having a huge party, a free-for-all, whatever they want to do. It's because that's what the flesh wants. That's what Satan, he, man, injects. We're up against a world where the odds are that we're going to want to do the things of this world than to do the things of God. Amen. And so that's why, amen, it's much easier to turn to an idol. That's why it's much easier to turn <clears throat> to a religion to where you just don't have to do much. All I got to do is confess the Lord as my personal Savior and I'm saved. But what about Acts 2.38? Ah, that's, old, that's New Testament. That's, that's past. It's not for us today. And no matter what, although it says it's for your children and their children and them that many is. You understand what I'm saying to you? Amen. Praise God. It's much easier. Just give me an easy, easier religion. I, I had a person one time in Texas that came back to church, was diagnosed with cancer. And we asked him, he said, why'd you come back to a Pentecostal church? He said, well... He said, the church that I was in was great to live by, but it's not great to die by. Praise God. So, amen. Worship, when we're talking about worship in heaven and the angels, and we're talking about, amen, the fallen angels, and we're talking about these angels fell, they're behind these idols, and the reason, praise God, that... Um, The reason they fell was because Satan wanted to be worshipped like God. You see, because the only way you really worship is in the spirit. That's the way you got to worship. Praise God. You have to worship in the spirit. You either worship God, or if you don't worship God, you will be worshiping Satan. Praise God. We were born in this world. We were, our father was Satan. We have the characteristics of Satan. We live like Satan. If you see me, I look a lot like my dad. It's because I'm his son. My characteristics, hopefully, are a lot like my dad, which is, to me, the greatest man in the world. But, praise God. He wasn't out there as much as I am, but I'll tell you what. He, he, he was my rock. And, but I, I got his characteristics, hopefully. And I look at that and I say, thank you. But the Lord, when, 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 we, when I was in the world, I had the characteristics of, of, of the world. Now that I'm living for the Lord, I'm born again. I want the characteristics of God. But my worship, amen, comes through my spirit. Amen. Because John 4 and 24 says that God is a spirit and they that worship him 
must worship him both in spirit and in truth. So I have to worship in the spirit. You see, there's the spirit of light. The spirit of light is called angels. There's the spirit of darkness. The spirit of darkness is demons. Because of Satan's fall, praise God, and because he wanted them to worship him, Satan is trying to get the worship of God back on him. It might be on an idol, but he, he, it's not on God. And that's what he's working on. Satan will even use idols to cause humans to worship him. Now, Paul talks a little bit about this in 1 Corinthians 10 and 19. He says, what, sh- what say I then, that the idol is anything? That idol sitting on that desk is nothing. It's nothing more than a lamp or anything else. It's just a piece of wood or whatever that idol is. Or that which is offered is sacrifice to idols is anything? Whatever you offer to a sacrifice, is that anything? But I say that the thing which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. They're not sacrificing to the idol. They're actually sacrificing to the devils. Praise God. So in the Old Testament, when they sacrificed, now I will kind of let a little bit of what I'm going to teach later out right now, but amen, anything that we, anything that the devil can use to draw us away from God, he will use it. If it's a belief in a wooden statue sitting on your desk, praise God. Now, I got a lot of things going through my head right now. Uh, I've lived a long time. I've had friends that were missionaries over in Africa where uh, African people would have idols. They would make idols. Um, they would uh, give them to the missionary. Uh, some of the missionaries brought them home. Some people went berserk over it. Oh, that's a God. That's a God. That's a God. And uh, I, I don't think I'd have one in my house. I would have no need to. But I'm not afraid of that idol sitting there. It's just nothing. It's just a piece of wood. Praise God. And then some people go as far as you can't have a face on something or it is, it is God or whatever. You know, God made everything in this world, everything in this world. And everything that God made is of God. And, uh, and, <clears throat> and you know, I'm not afraid of anything like that. Um, there are some things I probably wouldn't have. But Paul's telling them here, he said, I just wouldn't have them. I just don't need them. Praise God. But Paul was saying here, he said, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Praise God. Ye cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and of the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the devil's table. Now, I don't know if you remember, but there was a, there was a, a belief that went around about Christmas trees. You know, you can't have a Christmas tree because that was an idol worship. And then uh, the only place they ever took me to was a place in the Old Testament about how them cutting a idol out of a piece of wood. And I'm like, that's not talking about a Christmas tree. And that's talking about some kind of idol of wood. And, they, and so they say, well, you, you cannot have a Christmas tree because it's an idol. And somebody worshipped the Christmas tree. And somebody did this and somebody did that. And, and my answer to them was, you know, 
If you have a problem worshiping the Christmas tree, don't put one up. Praise God. And uh, so when you're talking about idols, you've got to be careful. We've not had that problem. I mean, this was in this area. We've not had that problem. But praise the Lord. Um, Paul said there's nothing in an idol. It's just, an, it's just a piece of wood. In the old days, they worshiped the devil through idols. But my question to you today is, and that is, if, uh, if, that, if we don't have idols in our lives, what are some of the things that the devil's using for us to be drawn away from God? Now, I want you to think about that. What are some of the things that God, uh, that Satan is using today for us? We might not have an idol sitting on a shelf, but what are some of the things that God might be using in your life to take your attention, your worship, your time, your effort away from God. Praise God. You know, <clears throat> there's a thing called mythology. Mythology is a whole bunch of stories. I started to look into them. A whole bunch of different stories about the gods that are, you know, from all nations. Hercules, you've heard of him, the son of Jupiter. And all those things. I don't know much about them. I didn't get into studying them. I just didn't have the time. But I did want to say that they did exist. And those were things that took away from the worship of God. It took away from the biblical principles and the things of God. Uh, It actually calls them gods. And uh, some of them had to do with the stars, the galaxies, and all that. Praise the Lord. And made gods of them. Um, they look up into heaven. Even you even notice that some of our children's programs will talk about the stars in heaven and our fathers being there and stuff like that. And and I understand a lot of that might be myths and it just blows over. But you have to be careful because there are some uh, there are some real beliefs about that, and Satan is using those things. And so all the Old Testament, Amen, was wrapped up. In uh, idols, they always had idols, different idols and different gods. And Satan was just ran, running rampant. He was just going to town. But then come Christ. Then in the manger came a little baby child. And his name was Jesus. He was the Messiah. I, could, I would have liked to have seen the faces of hell when they realized, oh my God, God rode himself in flesh. What do you think about this? What's going on? What is he trying to do? And just like with everything else, Satan's trying to destroy everything that God's trying to do. And so, he, man, he, he, he works on Herod. Here's, what I'm, here's one of the main things I want us to understand in these lessons. And that is, you know, Satan is afraid of what Jesus is going to do. So what does he do? He works on the fear of Herod that he's going to lose his kingdom and causes Herod to try to take the life of Christ. Now, here we have a nice example of a man on this earth who is being affected by a spiritual power that's not of God. Just like God works with us, Satan can work with people in the world. And I hate to say this, but just like God works with us, you better be careful. Don't Satan doesn't work with you too. 
Satan doesn't put things in your mind and you do it. When that person pulls in front of you, that's not Satan, that's self. That's just because you're so mean, you scream and blow the horn. Let's just back off on that one. No, I'm just saying. Amen. They'll do their best. And Satan's like, oh my God, there is a creator that's in the world, born of a virgin. And so Jesus came into the world and all the fallen angels were focused on him. John 14 and 30 says, Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and have nothing on me. So Jesus spends his 30 years preparing his ministry. His next three years, he's going to go down into the wilderness and he's going to be tempted of the devil. He's going to have the temptation of Satan come upon him. He is now going to see eye to eye with Satan. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 23, it says, And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who thou art, the Holy One of God. Man, that must have been something. Now, I don't know if this possessed man cried out. I don't know if there was just a voice or what. But, uh, and there was a single man of unclean spirit, and he cried out. The man cried out. Okay. And so he cried out. So here was an interaction now, again, between God and Satan. And he's crying, you're not going to destroy me before my time. He's thinking, this is the end. Amen. And Satan, God looks at him and tells him to keep his mouth shut, shuts him up, first of all, and he has to hold his peace. Praise God. And so now the Lord is casting Satan out of things. Jesus is now on the earth and he's casting things out. We know that in the Old Testament there were times when prophets would stand up against ungodly men, but he never dealt with the demons. He dealt with the idols and the people. But now Jesus is looking at this man who's possessed with the devil, and a lot of these people that were possessed in that day, uh, they they would follow the idol gods and these Baal gods and everything, until these gods would take possession of them. And they would act just like this young man did. And so now Jesus comes and he sees him, and Jesus deals with this devil. He tells him to come out. He turns to his disciples, and he says to his disciples, in Luke 9 and 1, Praise God. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all the devils and to cure the diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So now he gives this power to his disciples. He said, you're going to be able to cast out devils. You're going to be able to call them out. And you're going to be able to 
cast him out. Now, I will say this, praise God, if, if you think, if you get the vision that you're going to go around telling devils to leave, go around telling devils to leave, go, you're not going to do that. You're only going to do that when the Holy Ghost tells you to do that. Praise God. First of all, amen, there are three powers in the world, the power of God, the power of Satan, and the power of man. God does not let Satan do anything to man that man will not allow him to do. Nobody can ever become possessed of the devil unless they want the devil and invite him in. Now, that could be with trickery if you don't watch. These people that go to soothsayers, they open themselves up. They open up a door into their lives. And sometimes I think God says, okay, if you want them to be their God, let them determine your destiny. So what they say will really happen only based upon the fact that they say it. So you have to be careful. Matter of fact, I guess that's the wrong way of putting it. Just stay away from the devil. And I'll tell you what, I don't look the devil up. I don't try looking him up and trying to cast him out. If he's across town, he can stay across town. If somebody, if I, he comes over here, I'll deal with him if I have to. Praise God. But there's a spiritual world. Amen. A spiritual world. And we're up against that. Paul dealt with it in Acts. Acts 16 and Acts, Acts 16 and 16. And it came to pass as he went with prayer, a certain damsel possessed of a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain in Susan. This, this, this woman could, was either good at tricking people to make them think. I mean, I've lived long enough, pastors long enough, preached long enough, that I know some results of people's actions when I hit a nerve and when I didn't. I can tell in talking to people, praise God, that I have really hit a nerve and I'm down a rabbit hole. Because I know where this is going. Do I have any foreknowledge? No. I just know people. And I know when they respond to me in a certain way, I just know where they've been and what they've been through. And so, praise God, whether it was by trickery or whatever, but this woman made her, men, made her owners much money. Verse 17, and the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men were servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Ah, she was telling the truth. Praise God. The only problem was, amen, it was coming out the wrong mouth. Satan was trying to mess them up by trying to make them think that she was on their side. She did that many days, but Paul being grieved, turned and said, the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that same hour. Now look at this, verse 19. And when her masters saw the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. 
So why did they use her? Why was they excited about what she did? It's because she made them money. There were times in the New Testament when Paul and Silas took away the gods of idols and the people that made those gods lost their livelihood and turned on Paul and Silas. So the bottom line here is they didn't care about anything other than it made them money. So look at this. Think about this. It was money that caught that kept them moving forward to cause her to promote Satan. Satan took money and caused them to follow her because of the money they did it. They didn't care about Satan. They weren't really wanting to worship him. They weren't really doing that for that reason. It was the money-making thing. So let me ask you this question. Is it possible that Satan will use money today to drive us or keep us away from God? Let me ask you something. Do you get more excited about going to work than you do church? If we added another day at church, would you say, ah! Another service. What do you mean another service? But if the boss come up to you and said, would you like to take another shift? Oh, yeah, that's overtime. Think about it. Think about it. Oh, we wouldn't think about missing work, but we don't mind missing church. Praise the Lord. And you know, the older we get, the more we get a little money laid back. And you know what's amazing to me? They'll get on TV, they'll get on the radio, buy gold. Buy gold, because when everything else falls through, you'll have your gold. And it'll sustain you. You can't eat gold. Praise God. We get a little money back, and we feel a little secure now. Oh, I got some savings back. And it's a good thing to do. But never lose sight of the real reason that you're going to be taken care of is because you put God first. Because whatever you put before God is your idol. And God will make you not prosper with that. The Bible says, if you seek me with all your heart, I'll be found of you. I'll give you the desires of your heart. If you don't put him first, if you look for it in other ways, I thought that I was going to be a refrigeration, heating, cooling man. I thought I was going to be in Wellsburg. I thought I was going to be that. I thought I was going to be that. I thought I was going to be that. I had it all figured out. Praise God. I didn't know who my wife was going to be. I wanted a good wife. I wanted a good life. But when I said, okay, God, whatever you want, Bible college, okay. And I, I stood before my wife-to-be. We were dating. And I promised her. I said, I'll have you a good home. <clears throat> I'll have you a good life. 
<clears throat> you'll have a good car. Our parents has got it. They didn't start out with it, but they built it. I walked over and I went into the, to the altar and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, what are you doing? You gave your ministry to me. And I went back to her. She may remember this. With tears going down my eyes, I said, honey, I can't promise you where we'll be or what we got. But I said, the only thing I can promise you is if we have enough to eat, you will eat first. I said, I don't know what God is going to do. And because I put God first and I seek him first, he has blessed me and satisfying with me my job. He's satisfied. You've got to be careful because Satan will use money and materialism to draw the people away from God. He used it to cause this. He used, he used power to cause Herod to go after Jesus. But really, all of that was just a front for Satan behind working. That's why Jesus stood up in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. And he said, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to one and despise the other. Ye can't serve God and materialism. Man, materialism. Praise God. He said, you can't serve God and the things of this world. Satan will want you to serve the God of this world. Satan to Eve. Look at the fruit that it's good. Look that it's pleasant to the eyes. Look that it will make one wise. Satan to, to Jesus. Praise God. Cast yourself down. Praise the Lord. Uh, amen. And then look upon, and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Turn the stones into bread. Praise God. Amen. I want to talk to you about when God is removed. When, <clears throat> when there is a great presence of God or great spirit of God, and, and this is getting into our next lesson, but when there's a great presence or a great spirit of God that there is, amen, you know this is going to be too big. Amen. Do you, and I'll just give you a little bit of cap of it. Do you know when Jesus said, Amen, he said that when the unclean spirits have gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeketh rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house, and winch came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits. Do you realize that when Satan comes into an area where God has already been God, like with the Israelites, God came, he did, um, he did, he cast out devils, he gave his disciples the ability to cast out devils. There was really havoc wrecked on the, on the underworld, the demon world. Praise God. And Satan, uh, God was very strong there. And then what happened was, after the disciples began to die, the church began to fall off. And when the church began to fall off in the summer of 64 AD, when the disciples began to be crucified, praise God, then Nero began to turn on the church. 
and things got really wicked. We're going to talk about that next time. Things got really, really, really bad because where God and the Holy Ghost and the book of Acts and everything was going strong and God and the presence of God had sweeped the nation of Israel and sweeped the Roman people and sweeped the area of Satanism where he knocked them back, praise God. And then where Satan came back and the church never held on to its first love. And, and one of the biggest things was, and we're going to talk about it next time, they got rid of the name of Jesus and went into the Trinitarian doctrine. And when Satan come back, everything was clean, and Satan was really able to come back with a horrible force. And so I'm going to talk to you, Lord's willing, about that. Not next Sunday, next, next Wednesday night, praise God, but the following Wednesday night, Lord's willing, unless he changes my lesson. Let's all stand. It's 8 o'clock. Praise God. Everybody look at each other and say, it's 8 o'clock. It's 8 o'clock. It's 8 o'clock. Praise God. Lord, I love you, God, and praise you, Jesus, for your presence and your spirit. Touch, Lord, and let us depart from this place, but not from your, from your spirit, from your presence. God, I thank you. I'm glad I love you. I'm glad I live for you. I'm glad you're in me. I'm glad, dear Lord, that you're a part of us. Touch, Lord, and to move and to be with us. Let us depart from this place, but not from your presence. God, I'll give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Can everyone say amen?